Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of DEI After Five. You know, as I continue to prepare for these episodes and think about what is happening across the industry, there's certain things that come up that really need to be talked about or discussed because they're happening, but not many people are talking about it. And so today, I really want to talk about where DEI is living, right? We've done some episodes where we talk about it living in HR, or we're talking about it needs to be its own thing. We've started to see some trends where organizations are putting DEI as a part of their um, social corporate responsibility, or they're putting it as part of their ESG um, or aspect of their organization, right? Environmental, social, and governance. And so we're going to have a conversation today about what that really looks like um, how it could be sustainable, regardless of where it falls within the organization, um, and some other topics kind of tied to where DEI is going in the future. And so my guest today is Kimberly Flannery Rye, um, also known as Kimfer for those that follow her on social media. She's a DEI and cultural practitioner that has been doing lots in this space. And so I am just thrilled to have her with us today. So welcome, Kim. Hello, hello, Sasha. Really excited to be here. And you know what? Conversations after five, why not? Right? Why not? Who knows what's in our cups, right? So, yes. <laughs> right here. <laughs> so you know, I want to talk about first of all, how did you get into this work? Because everyone's path, interestingly, seems similar in some ways and then very different. So I want to hear from you. How did you start doing DEI work? Yeah, um, thanks for that question. Um, you know, for me, the way that I started DEI was really around um, culture work first. So we all know the the language of DEI has not um, been here as long as we think that it has, right? Mm -hmm. It has transitions from diversity to diversity inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Of course, there's Jedi. There's all types of different ways to look at it. But I think, you know, for me, um, I was actually uh, in an agency. I worked for an agency for about nine years. I was the vice president and executive creative director. And it was really important for me to look at our um, products, the way that we we're producing our creative, um, the way that we were putting our teams together. I was, I was building it from a culture perspective, from a diversity perspective, and also making sure that we were being inclusive whenever we created marketing materials, et cetera. And that's really where it all started. And so then I was being invited for speaking engagements from the perspective of how do you put together uh, inclusive creative teams? How do you put together diverse um, groups, et cetera? So for me, um, switching that from, you know, from a creative brand focus uh, with DEI to DEI focus, looking at yeah. it from a business, from a brand, et cetera. So for me, that shift, uh, I felt it was pretty, you know, natural transition. You know, I'm excited to hear your story because 
so many of the people that I have interviewed for this show or talking to about on the show um, come from that marketing communications, creative background, right? Yeah. My background was in marketing for some time too. So I think exactly what you said, understanding it from a brand perspective, knowing your audience, knowing you know the voice of the people that you're trying to represent, all of that ties into DEI work very naturally. Um, and so I appreciate hearing your background because it's just a, a natural tie-in and it supports my whole thing of, you know, marketing communications need to be leading DEI versus mm. HR, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that is a whole different conversation. <laughs> and I know conversation. you've had many of those, so we'll leave that aside for now. Yes, yes, for now. So I want to talk about kind of this corporate social responsibility, ESG. I've been hearing a lot about this lately. There have been a couple of conversations that I've been a part of talking about, you know, DEI now being housed in these areas. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing kind of in this space and why DEI is being placed there? Yeah, so I think, you know, from um, DEI and CSR or social corporate responsibility have been um, pretty together for longer than we even think. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a natural uh, combination. So if you think about social corporate responsibility, oftentimes like philanthropy lives there. Oftentimes that's where um, uh, areas in which your, your uh, corporate re social responsibility. So DEI um, being tied to that area makes sense. Right. It makes mm -hmm. logical sense. Um, what's been really fascinating is this idea of ESG, the environmental social governance, being mm -hmm. now being wrapped up around all of this, right? And so I think what it is, is that area of social and the governance is what's really being tied into diversity, equity, and inclusion and corporate social responsibility. Um, and like we uh, just mentioned, um, HR is not necessarily always the... Uh, I'm going to say appropriate place uh, because right. you know there's there's a bit of a conflict there when you are in traditional and I don't want to um, bag on anyone that is in HR because we know we have some phenomenal people Absolutely. in HR that they understand this but traditional HR is administration and policy yep. to hold on to and and make sure that there's no litigation issues while DEI is like hey Let's look at that policy. Let's look at that um, and, and shift it and change it and, and pushing on that, right? So if you mm -hmm. think about it from a social corporate responsibility, it makes more sense. We're like, let's go do the good. Let's go do the good out into the world. The challenge with social corporate responsibility is that they're not looking internally. Absolutely. Right? Environmental social governance, ESG, is looking internally. Mm-hmm as they're trying to figure out how they're doing less um, damage out into uh, our environment. So that's, I think, where all of these um, tick and tack is happening is a, we love a good Venn diagram. And so there's a Venn diagram happening yeah. between all three of them. You know, I absolutely um, appreciate the visual of that because for so many organizations, it's one or the other, right? And I constantly say, you know, DEI needs to be part of your company DNA. So it needs to be in every aspect. And so that Venn diagram that you just described actually talks about that, 
right? It's internal, it's external. How are we showing up with our customers and clients? How are we showing up with our communities? What impact are we having? Because that's the piece that I think is um, more of a challenge for organizations, oh, for and sure. especially if they're creating harm, right? Because it's one thing to throw money, right? The philanthropy part of it. It's one mm -hmm. thing to do that, but then to actually be reflective and say, how can we be causing harm to the greater environment, people, plants, you know, animals, everything? Yes. Um, and how do we mitigate that? That's another part of, you know, what we're seeing around um, climate change and how climate change ties into DEI and, you know, all of these things that folks are, are saying, well, no, that's not DEI because that's not dealing with my recruiting. Right. <laughs> so much more than recruiting. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you said um, about harm. So one of the mantras that I give to my clients is do less harm. Yes. Right. It is nearly impossible to do no harm because of we know how systems work. There's unintended consequences that come out, even with all the good intentions that you have out there. But the idea is that you want to do less harm in all of these areas. And when it comes to social corporate responsibility, I mean, part of that is like doing good. Of course, you're going to do good. But right. the question is, is not measuring how good are you doing it? Because that's part of the responsibility of that. It's like, are you creating less harm while you're trying to do good? Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's important. Just like in social corporate, uh, uh, environmental social governance, same thing. The idea is you're going to do good for the environment. Great. While you're trying to do good, are you doing less harm? Same thing with DEI. Obviously, we're trying to do good, but are you trying to do less harm? That's the measurement you want to look at. What kind of, what less harm are you doing, right? Measure it on, are you doing less harm? I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, because in the, the question that came to my mind when you were speaking was, yes, we want to do good, but good isn't good for everyone, yeah. right? And so it's that, who could we be harming in this process while we're trying to do good? Because- there have been countless ex um, examples of organizations over-indexing mm -hmm. to try to, to seem or appear that they're doing good by creating more harm. Um, and the one that immediately comes to mind was, again, the summer of 2020, where organizations, you know, did all these the black boxes for social media and, you know, speaking up and, you know, Black Lives Matter. And their employees that were black were saying, mm, guess what? We don't matter. You, you show us every day that we don't matter. Um, and so it was, they were trying to do good, but the harm that they had been causing for years without, you know, ignoring the voices started to come out. Right. Yeah. So and I love that partnership of, yes, we want to do good, but are, are we also reducing harm in that process? Yeah, so, I, I like to think of it as like, good isn't always good enough. So let's look at the other side of it, right? right. And then um, this idea, and I'm going to uh, maybe assume because it's after five that I can use a little like uh, a little string here, but I, I like to say employees are the first ones to call your bullshit in a company. Absolutely. 
because they're they know they know what's happening and so um i think after like you said george floyd's murder and all the block boxes that were coming out all those dei promises that were coming out it was the employees that said that's bullshit. that's not what yep. we're doing and so many um companies were you know really put through the floors about it uh you know like anthropology do you remember anthropology and they're like beautiful i mean you know they have these beautiful marketing and soft um and all this language that came out and their teams were like hmm you know what we have cold words yeah for black uh shoppers and yeah. we follow around and we have a cold name for them yeah uh yeah right starbucks always in and out of ah yeah, yeah. and i live in seattle and i'm like come on starbucks you know all the good yeah. intentions but you know they were like yeah we support do all these things and then when their employees want to wear black lives matter buttons and things like that they're like we can't do that yeah right and so, like all of these it's it, it, there's a difference between what you say and what you do Absolutely. it doesn't mean you can't make mistakes because it is a journey we get it but are you learning from it? And are you listening to your community? <laughs> or are you making like boardroom decisions without any, mm-hmm. you know, like that small set of group of people with the similar lived experience with no other input and making those large decisions? You know, what? You, you hit the nail on the head in that there's so many organizations that look at the moment and okay we have a response for this moment and don't step back to say okay where are there patterns that we are seeing over time and how do we start to mitigate that right so it's not these one-offs that are happening it looks like a one-off because you're in that moment but if you step back and look at it systemically right there are challenges, right? Systemic challenges that these organizations can take on. And I think that leadership needs to, again, listen to those folks that are the most marginalized that are constantly going through these moments to say, employee, yes, you are harming me. (laughs) You're constantly harming me. And this one time that you did this one thing was great, but that does not negate the rest of the harm that you've done and continue to do. So I appreciate you saying that because there's this learning opportunity that I think organizations have to not just be reactive to what's happening in the media, but how can we be proactive and really understand where we are falling short consistently so that we can fix that and then move on. Absolutely. And learn from that. Learn from, oh my gosh, when oh you said gosh. that. Learn. 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 <laughs> learn. Yeah. Like, like, what is it? A hard head makes for a soft behind? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I use this hashtag often. It's called do the work. So yes. do the work, right? And the only way you're going to learn from it is if you do the work. Absolutely. Over and over and over again. Again, it's a journey. It's not a checkbox. We talk about this all the time. Just because you did it once doesn't mean it's done. It mm-hmm. means that we need to continue to do um, this. And it's a wor- it's work. It's a work in progress. Uh, there is a 
destination, but it isn't a finish line. It is a marathon that mm-hmm. uh, I like to say where that finish line is constantly moving. Yes. Right. And so you got, you have to pace yourself. You have to pace yourself and continue and know that that end line is going to constantly move forward with yes. you. You know, I was speaking to, I was on site with a client yesterday and one of them, so a couple of them said, um, you know, the organization is doing all these check boxes. Mm. And it reminded me of which, you know, when you said something just now, it just kind of clicked in my head is employees are going to be the ones that are going to constantly speak up. And what's happening or what happened um, and the reason I got pulled in was organization checked the box. Employees were like, nope, you're not checking this box today because this is our experience. And then now they're shocked and awe that they're not having this wonderful experience because that's what we've been telling everyone, yeah. right? And so it's this reality check of, I call it the Wizard of Oz all the time. <laughs> People will hear me say that, right? Yeah. Like you're sold this wonderful, great place. And then you find out it's like a little man on a bicycle behind a curtain. <laughs> And that's what's happening. It's like people are getting exposed. Organizations are getting exposed um, and they will continue to get exposed if they are not, if their actions and words aren't in alignment. And so, you know, I love what you're saying about do the work because that's the part, right? It's not just putting up a pretty picture or saying it until you, until it happens, you actually have to do the work in order for employees to see that, okay, they're actually trying to do something here. I see change happening um, before they can start to sing your praises because until then, they're going to continue to speak up and rattle cages and and try to um, push to create change. Yeah, I saw that shock and awe. I mean, how many of us that are in this place and what we do or you know, our BIPOC community, you name it, our global majority, we're like, hmm, shock and awe. No, not a shock and awe for us. At all. At all. The fact that you're in shock and awe is a bit of a shock and awe for us. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, hmm. Yeah. So anytime I hear people say like, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked. I'm I'm like, it's unbelievable. I'm like, okay. Yeah, not for us. It is our daily lives. So daily. thank you for being in shock. Let's do something about it now. <laughs> right. That part, right? Like how do you get over? Okay. Now that you're shocked, great, wonderful. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And it's that action part. Um, and, you know, we're going down another path. Cause I was yeah. just like, that's why I don't even like saying talking about allyship because everybody wants to give themselves that badge of honor being oh, an ally. And my badge. Right. And I'm like, well, what's the action? What are you doing? to prove that you're an ally. And so it's how do organizations do that same thing? Yes, we're a great place to work for whom? And, (laughs) right, what are you doing to ensure that is everyone's experience? Um, And then that's again, where the shock and awe comes like, what, not everyone's having the same experience as me? Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, I advise my clients whenever we work together, 
because I come in from a system side, and I think yeah. we talked about this, is that I'm looking at your business. I'm looking at it from a business strategy. Um, yes, I can do workshops. Yes, we can do learning journeys. But that comes after you're doing mm-hmm. the work of looking at it really systemically, um, looking at it from your policy, your procedure, all the things that make up your organization, right? Yeah. And so when we're doing that, um, and when they say like, oh, we have pretty good or high employee um, uh, engagement scores. I'm like, you're going to see that drop. I will tell you now, you'll yeah. see a drop. Because people have this idea is that, oh, you know, because everyone wants a measurement. They want that measurement right off the bat as if it's like, we can just flip a switch. But they're like, oh, okay, well, if we're doing all this work, obviously that engagement score should be going up. I'm like, no, no, actually, it will dip. It will yeah. dip. It will dip for a while. It may get to where you were, but what's happening is that once people see things, once they hear things, they can't unsee it, they can't unhear it, they're learning something about themselves, they're learning something about the organization, and because of that, there's like this disillusionment that was happening before will be like removed, that that idea, right, the odds, and all of a sudden they're, they're having to deal with this. And then on top of that, when I say, uh, when I ask them like, oh, great, your engagement scores are high. What is your mix? What's your diversity mix in your organization? Oh, mm-hmm. what? It's majority of it is, looks really similar. Well, guess what? Of course, you're going to have affinity. You're going to have affinity in there where you're like yeah. similarities. And so you're going to have, and, and, and as soon as you do start diversifying, more voices, different ideas, different way of doing things, you're you're not going to see it in that way, right? So that's why mm-hmm. measuring different aspects within your organization is really important versus just like, are we satisfied or whatever it is that, you know, yeah. we, we know surveys are also skewed. So there's that. No, I love that. I love that. Even when I do my psychological safety assessments with organizations, I look at it by demographics. Yeah. Right? I'm like, Okay, here's your overall score. That's great. Now let's look at it by race. Let's look at it by gender. Let's look at it by age. Yeah. You know, whatever the um the data they give me. And again, the shock and awe. Yeah. Of, oh, not everyone's having the same experience. Well, no, they're not, because no. not everyone's the same. No, you gotta so, look at the delta. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta look at the delta. So it's, it's all of these things that, you know, come up that I think organizations need to be aware of. And I think that's why I so much appreciate now having CSR and ESG as a part of the conversation, because now you're looking at different data points. It's not just about employee satisfaction. It's how are we showing up with our customers and our clients? How are we showing up around governance? How are we showing up in the community? So you're looking at it in a more holistic way of not just how are we showing up, but how are we um, investing? How mm-hmm. are we affecting? How, you know, all of those things. And again, it's that holistic aspect of this work that so many organizations aren't quite ready for, but I think this is the direction that it possibly could go in and be successful depending on the industry as well too. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, you know, the thing about it is, um, once you have this justice perspective or justice focused mindset, so social justice, right? Mm-hmm. Very important in DEI. And then you start looking at environmental justice, climate justice, mm-hmm. 
right? You are looking at it from all these justice focused perspectives. Then you start seeing, okay, all right, all right. One affects the other. Absolutely. that's again, back to the Venn diagram, there are so many areas in which once you start looking at it from a justice lens in there, mm-hmm. then you start understanding, aha, right? Aha, hopefully. Yeah, ho- hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Some folks. Huh. <laughs> so I want to <laughs> do a little bit of a pivot in that. Yeah. So we're now in this time where, you know, this pending recession has been pending for a long time. Um, And we're starting to see some jobs being cut and kind of like at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the first set of jobs that started to get cut were DEI practitioners. Um, How can organizations continue their DEI efforts during this time? Right. Because I what I fear um, and hopefully after, again, the summer of 2020, it's not the, the case where okay, we don't have time for that. We need to focus on the business. Mm-hmm. What can organizations do to ensure that these efforts continue during this pending time? Yeah, so you're right. Uh, I think, you know, when the pandemic happened, um, that whole like, oh, it's not, is it business critical or not? And then they're like, oh, that's not business critical. Let's like cut that, right? Because a lot of organizations were approaching it from just from a learning perspective, right? Just like it's a learning and development. We're giving you, we're giving you these like benefits. That's how it was seen. It's like, it's a benefit. And then um, George Floyd murder happened. Mm -hmm. I always call it, that's the line in the sand in DA. That happened and people are like, oh, guess what? It's a business priority. And so the money came back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, and for those that were working in DEI at the time, within the business structure, um, like my clients doubled down. And so Mm -hmm. my actually job didn't go down, it actually went up because they're like, oh, pandemic's happening. Now people are working remotely. That's culture, that's culture impact, that's business impact. How do we um, figure this out? So if they, I think, treat it like that in this upcoming um, change that we're going through, and if you're cutting employees, guess what? Who Who's having to take that burden on? Other yep. employees. Yep. Yeah. And so then your culture is shifting, your business practice is shifting. So if you look at it from a business practice in a way that is going to impact you, then you cannot not put DEI as part of your strategy. How are you going to keep the employees you currently have? You can't just hold them because there's the fear, oh, you're going to lose your job and you're not going to get another job. Because what's interesting about what we're coming into right now is that there's still jobs out there. Lots of them. Lots of them. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so people are being cut in very certain areas. Right. But there's still the job market is still open. So it's like in this, I think even the economists are saying like, it's a weird one. Right. It's yeah. a weird one. We've got a lot of tech pre-cutting because of the fact that they over hired. It was almost like yep. it was like about an overhiring because of a lot of tech did well during um, the pandemic because mm-hmm. you needed tech. 
I mean, <laughs> everything went right. virtual. So if you had any kind of virtual support platforms, guess what? Tech was needed. Yeah. Uh, any, like, why did Amazon and eBay and all these companies do well? Like, you're doing all your personal shopping at home and getting yeah. it through that way, you know, and Etsy and all of those, right? Yeah. Their stocks went up during that time. Um, think about Zoom, holy cow, like their right. stocks went up. And so all these companies that are we're looking at right now, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Meta, uh, Google, they're all doing the cuts right now. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is as the cuts are happening, those people are being gobbled up <laughs> in those same companies and so in different areas yep in the different areas so that's that's what's been fascinating around this yeah for a recession and what's interesting too um and there have been a couple of articles that that spoke on it was again after the summer 2020 there's been this increase in underrepresented talent being hired yes. and this very intentional um recruiting of this talent but some organizations have that, that mindset still a first in, last out, you know, first out or last in, first out. Yeah. So those are some of the jobs that are getting cut right now, right? Because they over-indexed, because they over-hired. And so it's now impacting underrepresented communities more than it's impacting anyone else. Absolutely. And so DEI needs to be a part of this conversation because how do who do you have at the table that is being cognizant of? who's being cut and why they're being cut and, you know, all of those things and where can people be reshifted? Um, you know, there's this increase in, as you were saying before, like learning and development, because now, okay, we can provide people with different skills so that they can be moved to other parts of the business, right? We're going to invest in you as an employee, mm -hmm. making people feel good so that there is now loyalty within that organization. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's this is interesting, like you said, this, it, this is very different. It feels very different than any other recession or pending recession. This, like yes. I said, has been pending for a long time. Pending, <laughs> pending recession. And, you know, um, but it feels very different because there are so, so many jobs that are out there. Um, like I said, I have another client where they have, it's a small family owned business, but they have over 200 job hire, you know, openings in their organization. And one of their executives said to me, DEI is priority for us right now because we need to fill those roles, right? We can't continue doing the same things we've been doing. We have to expand. We have to get different talent in. And so now folks are seeing there is actually some benefit to having DEI, uh, DEI lens on the company because mm -hmm. it's so, so positive in so many different ways, right? Now, you can have more um, access to your customers and clients, right? If you're speaking the language of your customers and clients because they're reflected in your employees. Mm -hmm. What? Who would have thought? Know. Who would have thought? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just this very interesting thing. So, you know, Kim, for I'm going to do a net, my last pivot with you. Yeah. Um, this work is is not the easiest to do. Um, and so what do you do? How do you fill your cup? What do you do to take care of yourself? Oh, yeah, I think that is so important for us, right? Is because um, doing DI work, we know that this is emotional labor as well as uh, as 
the skill labor, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we get double taxed in a lot of this. And so for me, the way that I relax, um, one, I don't know if my dog goes, yep, there it is. Can you see them? There's my doggy. <laughs> yep. I got myself a COVID dog Aww. and um, taking walks with him, cuddling him. He fills my cup. Right. I have a 15 year old son who is just lovely. Um, He feels spending time with him uh, fills my cup. I have a wonderful partner. We are game board game, tabletop board game uh, geeks. We have over 150 board games in my house Mm. um, and we love just hanging and playing, right? So for me, that and um, spending time with my my uh, chosen family, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, people, people who aren't wanting things from me, needing things from me, who needs me in that kind of way, right? Who, mm-hmm. They're the ones who refill my cup because they're giving. We're, they're, they're giving me back that energy and that love. Um, and so for me, those are the ways that I do um, from an, up, up, you know, out of uh, the people perspective, then um, my background is in art. So anyway, I can absorb art, go see art, um, create art, do art things also fills my cup. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. How could people get in contact with you if they needed to reach you? Yeah. So um at my chemisms, that is my handle, my chemisms for sure. Uh, that I'm pretty live on um, Instagram. Typically, is my my social media of choice. Uh, LinkedIn, also my business media of choice. Of course, we all do that. My yeah. website, uh, mychemisms.com, which um, interesting enough, I hope I can give a little sneak peek. You can still come there, but I'm in the middle of a rebrand. Love it. Yeah. But come there because we will redirect you when the rebrand is completed. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Love it. I love it. It's always about the pivot, right? It's about the pivot. It's always about the pivot. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Kimfer, thank you so much for being with us today. This I mean, I've loved this conversation. We've hit so many different things. Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's so important for organizations to start thinking about these things too, because many of them aren't even having these conversations. And so wanting to make sure that some of this is top of mind or they can at least ask the right questions when they're in, you know, at the, the table. So thank you again for being here with us today. And yes, thank you all for, for joining us again this week on this episode of DEI After Five. And you could always find us here on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform. And again, thanks for being here. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one. 